And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the adept Lisa Wolf. In this hour, we'll present a 1955 classic radio comedy. Well, no, it's not a comedy. It's a sci-fi episode of X-1 starring Bill Lipton. But first, Lisa Wolf Dylan is our lyricist for Learning the Lyrics. Lisa will read popular song lyrics. I'll try to guess the name of the songs while you play along at home, right, Lisa? That's right. And I'm noticing I have quite a variety of music here. So they're not all rock songs. So put on your thinking cap, Carl. All of these song titles begin with the letter M. And I'm going to read to you some of M, not Mm. Mamma Mia. I'm going to read some of the lyrics to you and see if you can identify the title of these songs. Okay. Okay. Three very different genres here for oh, three boy. great songs. So right. not as easy as it sounds. Okay? okay? Yeah. Okay. Now look at them yo-yos. That's the way you do it. Oh, yeah. That, I know that already. That's Dire Straits. Yes. That's but the way you, need you do to... it. Money for nothing, chicks for free. Money for nothing. Wow. One line. Look at them, them yo-yos. yo-yos. That's, That's the, the way, way they do, do it. it. Play the guitar on the MTV. Morgan, that's the way you do it. Your money for nothing and your chicks for free. No, that ain't working. That's the way they do it. Let me tell you, them guys ain't dumb. Maybe get a blister on your little finger. Maybe get a blister on your thumb. We got to sell microwave ovens. Custom kitchen deliveries. We got to move these refrigerators. We've got to move these color TVs. Great job. Ah, not bad, One huh? One line. Yep. All right. Well, I, I feel confident that that won't happen with all of these songs. Right. But so far, so good. Okay. Okay. Changing genres here. All right. Ready. Oh, the shark babe has such teeth. Oh, the here. shark babe. Of the has some teeth, dear, and it shows uh-huh, them uh-huh. pearly white. Pearly whites. Oh, the shark J- Just a jackknife. Just a jackknife. Has knife. an old McKeith babe, and he keeps it out of sight. Keeps it out you, of sight. You know when that shark bites with his you teeth, You know the babe. shark bites. Scarlet billows start to spread. Keep. Scarlet billows start Anything? to spread. Fancy gloves. Fancy oh. glowing. Where's old McKeith, babe? So yeah. there's never, never a trace of red. Oh, there's never a trace of red. Now on the sidewalk. Now on the Anything? sidewalk. Keep, 
I want to get up to the M. I, I can't get you all the way. Who's Sunny Morning? Sunny Morning. Liza Body, just oozing life. Just oozing life. And someone sneaking around the corner. Someone sneaking around the corner. Could that Mac be? Mac the Knife. There it Mac is. Mac the Knife. Mac the Knife. Could that someone be Mac the, the Knife? You got to snap to this one. And it shows them early whites. Just a jackknife. As old Mac. That's Bobby Darren, right? It sure is. Mac the Knife, Bobby Darren. And it keeps it uh, out of sight. You know when that shark. All right. Not bad. With his wow. Team. All right. You're not going to like this next Scarlet one. Because it's slow, as you would say. All right. So, see, both of those, because they were cool. cool they are cool. Well, I think this one's cool, too. But if they're not cool, I'm not going to get them because I'm cool. This is a cool song. Because I'm cool. All right. I'm going to start a little bit. I'm so cool. I'm actually cool. You're so cool. I'm cold. cold. That's how cool You're macho and cool and cold. Yeah. All right. Say it Um, again. I'm going to start a couple lines in. You're very cool. All right. Thank you. You're a cool guy. You, I think when I think of John Travolta, I think of Carl Amari. I think of Tom Cruise, all the cool guys. Yeah. Okay. All right. What about um, just uh, what about uh, Jason Statham? Think of me when you see Jason Statham. Yeah, and The Rock. Yes, for sure. And uh, I'm trying to think who else. Um, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I, I can see that. Because you love La La Land. I can see that. All, all right. right, let's focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, this starts with an M. I think it's cool, and that's all I can all say. Right. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Carried your books from school, playing make believe you're married to me. You mm, were fifth grade. So. I was six you know when what. we came to be. <laughs> Finish your thought. <laughs> Walking home every day over oh, Bonacut so, so. Bridge and Bay till we grew into the me and you. We who went our separate ways. Listen to this. Though I never laid a hand on you. Oh, like a million a miles on her? like a million miles away from me, you couldn't see how so close, so close, and yet so like a far away. Miles away. Yep, million miles away from me. Miles. You couldn't see how many money. No, I just can't say that because it's part of the title. Go ahead. So close, so close, and yet so far. It's Frankie Valley. Yeah, that's all I can tell you. Keep going. That that that's that's it. That's it. Listen. Though I never laid a hand on you, and then it's the title. Like a million miles away from me, you couldn't see how I... Adored you. There you go. My eyes adored you. But I didn't say it. Yeah. I didn't say my eyes adored you. I would have got it. That's okay. I would have gotten it. I'll count it. My eyes adored you. Wow. You're getting better at this game. That's because I'm cool. My eyes adored you. It's slow, but it's Frankie Valley. Oh, I never laid a hand on you, miles Why not? You didn't lay a hand on it? Well, not yet. Like a million miles away from me, you couldn't see but how I That's how it's worked. He's got a high voice, you know? He does. So Frankie Valley, he, he can sing like five so octaves. So Here it is. Ready? Carried your books from school. Oh, he was a good boy. Oh, you make believe. You make believe. He was young. When we came to be walking home every day. Oh, he said night. Over Bonacut Bridge and Bay. 
Why is it sad? Because they went their separate way. Aw. <laughs> well, he was in sixth grade, and she was in fifth. No, that's where it started, but then they got together. Like a million miles away from me, you couldn't see how I Three very different genres. You hear that, like, little, little, like, sounds like a comb that someone's going, listen. Right? It's like a little comb. You hear that? Listen. Sounds like a harpsichord or something. No, it's like a little comb. A comb? It's not actually a comb. comb. Listen. I know what you're talking about. It is. It's string instrument. No, it's a comb. It's okay. Behind. What about her behind? His eyes adored it. Oh. Hear that little comb? I did. I did. It's a comb. <laughs> all right. Well, I got all three you of them. You sure did. You're definitely improving in this uh, And there's a section. comb there. A and there's comb. a comb. He's it's, got his fingers. It's got a little dandruff in it, but it's a comb. <laughs> you know, those guys back then, they had like the brill cream in their hair, yes. you know? So they all had the combs. Right. And then they were like, yeah, I'll use this as a Don't you remember, like, like, in Greece, they all carried uh, yeah, combs in their the pockets, combs. and they, you know, when they were feeling cool, they would give their hair a little flip. <laughs> Whenever Grease is on, I watch it. <laughs> I, how can you I, I must have Greece? seen the movie 30 times. Again, that's John Travolta. <laughs> that's true. All right, thanks, Lisa. Sure. When we Great come job. back, it's a sci-fi adventure of X minus one, so stay with us. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Don't forget, get a podcast of this show. Only $5.99 a month. You get four podcasts each month. Get the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show sent to your email. You won't miss a second of our program, and uh, the links never expire. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com, top of the website. Learn how you sign up for our podcast. We'd love you to do that. All right, it's time for X-1, Lisa. And uh, this was... um, this was a really, really good adult science fiction series. One of the first on the radio was Dimension X. That came to radio in like 1951, 52. And then a few years later, it, it came back, but they changed the name from Dimension X to X-1. Not sure why. Hmm. Maybe Carl Shadow knows. I'm sure he does. He, I'm certain he does. But um, this, so this was a revival of Dimension X. And it had uh, the same two uh, guys writing it, Ernest Canoy and George Lefferts. And what they would do is write some of their own stories, but then they would take the best stories from Ray Bradbury and Isaac Asimov and, you know, Frederick Pohl and Robert A. Heinlein, the top sci-fi writers of the era. And they would take their stories and adapt them for this. And uh, once in a while, there was like kind of a scary sci-fi story. This is one of them. So this is like one of the best from the series. Kind of a sci-fi story with horror mixed in. It's called Dr. Grimshaw's Sanitarium. And it's from July 14th, 1955. Here's part one now of X 
minus one. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction, presents X minus one. Tonight's story, Dr. Grimshaw's Sanitarium. What you will hear in the next half hour represents either a magnificent hoax or the true explanation of the famous Grimshaw Sanitarium scandal which made the headlines back in 1947. The manuscript upon which this account is based was removed by the New York State Police from a fountain pen cover found in the doorway to Dr. Grimshaw's study. We offer this manuscript as evidence only. Whether it is authentic or not, you must judge for yourselves. My name is John Dougherty. I'm a graduate of Hamilton College, class of 34, member of Theta Alpha. I'm one of those fools who wanted some excitement in life, so instead of going into my father's shoe business, I became a private detective. These are facts. You can check them if you like. The rest of what I write here is so fantastic that I don't expect it to be believed. If anyone should find this manuscript and read it, all I ask is that you notify Miss Millicent Armbruster of 299 Wallace Avenue, Buffalo, that Johnny Dougherty is dead. On the evening of July 1st, Miss Armbruster and I were driving to a wedding. Not our own, although I wish it had been. It was Sunday. And in order to avoid traffic, I took the old mill road. A single-lane dirt affair that runs past the Gowanda Cemetery. Johnny, aren't you going too fast? Not for this road. There isn't a thing around except some tombstones and... Johnny, the gate to the cemetery. What about it? That hearse, look out! Look out! We skidded for about 20 feet and slammed into the back of the hearse. The two rear doors buckled and snapped open. It was a freak. A huge oak coffin with brass handles tipped up and began slowly to slide back toward us. Oh, how horrible. You stay right here, baby. You okay, Mac? You don't pay much attention to speed limits, do you, Jack? Now, look, let's not get hung up on who was right and who was wrong. I was going too fast and you were traveling without lights after dark. Let's see your driver's license. Right here. Oh. Private eye, eh? Now, if you don't mind, who does this joy wagon belong to? Go on to funeral service. It's being rented to Grimshaw. Who? Grimshaw from the private sanitarium. Mind if I ask what you were doing after dark coming out of a cemetery with a wooden kimono? 
We're moving one of Grimshaw's patients to a new grave. They always travel like this? Look, Hawkshaw, how about skipping the third degree and giving me a hand getting this box back in the wagon? A pleasure. Better screw on that cover again. It's going to slide off. Let's get it in the hearse first. Okay, Junior, you get on that end. Okay. You ready? Yeah, lift. Just slide it. Oh, brother, who's in there, King Kong? Look out for the cover. I told you that would happen. What's the guy's name, Junior? Oh, why don't you ask him, Sherlock Holmes? A real wise guy, huh? I've got half a mind to report this accident. Yeah, well, go ahead. See where it gets yet. Now, if you'll pardon me, I'll deliver the body. Everything all right, Johnny? Yeah, I thought so until a few seconds ago. Listen, Millie, can you sit here in the car for another five minutes? Where are you going? For a stroll through the cemetery. Oh, Johnny, stop making jokes. When we lifted that coffin back on the meat wagon, I got a good look inside it. Ew. Yeah, exactly how I felt. I figured we'd knock the stuffing out of the corpse, only I didn't expect the stuffing to be sand. What? Yes. That wasn't a body, that was a dummy stuffed with sand, a dummy with a wax face. Johnny! Which brings up an interesting question. Who's supposed to be in that box, and, uh, just where is the dead man spending his time? Sometimes in my business, when things drop off, you have to go out and, uh, well, dig up new clients. My next case was a gentleman named Harlan Ward Sr., a wealthy automobile manufacturer. I'd gotten his name off his son's tombstone. Are you trying to tell me, Dorothy, that my son Harlan was never buried at Gowana Cemetery? Exactly, Mr. Ward. But why? Maybe if you'll tell me the circumstances surrounding your son's death, I can help answer that. My son was a rather impetuous young man. Tall, good-looking. After his graduation from Princeton, he began drinking quite heavily. After he got into a couple of scrapes, we sent him to Dr. Grimshaw's sanitarium in the hopes that he could be cured. While my wife and I were in Europe, we received word that he died, buried at Guana in our absence. Last week, my wife and I decided to have his body removed to the family vault here at Short Hills. How'd your son die? Suicide. You never saw the body? No. We couldn't get back from Europe in time. Now you tell me that his coffin contains a dummy. How do I know this whole thing isn't a plan to fleece me? You don't. But you're a rich man, Mr. Ward, and you're perfectly willing to take a chance that I'm on the level and that your son may still be alive. You sound very sure of yourself, Mr. Dalton. My fee is a $2,000 retainer plus expenses. What sort of expenses? However much it costs to take the cure at Dr. Grimshaw's sanitarium. Dr. Grimshaw's sanitarium was just outside Gowanda. Most of the cases were nervous breakdowns and alcoholics. I committed myself as a dipso, and just to make it convincing, I stopped at five or six bars on the way over. I was interviewed by Grimshaw himself, a small man with a fringe of white hair. You understand, Mr. Doherty. That's not my real name, of course, social reasons. We understand. Our paid clientele is very select, and our rates are very high. You'll be paid in cash and in advance, Dr. Grimshaw. How long does a cure usually take? Uh, that, of course, depends on the degree of alcoholism. Uh, this is my assistant, Dr. Voynau. 
How do you do? How do you do? Uh, we are accepting Mr. Dorothy as a patient. Better place him in the ward with Mr. K and Mr. Kakey. Uh, Mr. K is a long-term patient, Mr. Dorothy. A highly intelligent man, formerly a professor of plant pathology. Uh, Mr. Kakey uh, suffers mild delusions. I think you'll find him rather amusing. I think you'll find him rather amusing. You think? Ha, ha, ha. Yes, this is Dr. Grimshaw's sanitarium. Uh, yeah, July 14th, 1955, starring Bill Lipton, but... There was, um, and I wonder if he had anything to do with the tea company. With the soup or soup? Yeah, Bill Lipton. Um, you know that I'm drinking a lot of tea lately. Uh, I no, like tea. I didn't. I, I think like instead of tea. coffee. Well, no, I'm drinking coffee too. Okay, but, right. But uh, I, I like, uh, I'm drinking. Like a little bit of tea and a little bit drinking, of coffee. You know, I'm like kind of being a teetotaler lately. Really? I'll have some tea. Uh, and crumpets. Uh, I'll, I'll have a spot of tea, you know? You have to collect a cup of tea. And I put a little honey in there, and a spot of tea, and um, I like different flavors. Do you know what I've been doing? What? Um, instead of tea, yeah. I drink hot water and I buy fresh lemon. Why would you do that? I just squeeze a lo- some lemon in my hot water. Did you know that? Uh, that's, that's what I do. Did you know that that's how Edgar Allan Poe committed suicide? How? By drinking, squeezing lemon no, in his hot water? No, boiling water. Did you know that, Mike? Drinking boiling water? That's how he committed suicide. That that doesn't make sense. <laughs> look it up. He just drank unless it, I, boiling unless water? Unless I dream this. I am going to look it up. I may have dreamed this, though. Something's not I'm quite pretty right sure, with your story. I'm pretty sure Edgar Allan Poe, right. he, was not, he wasn't all there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Okay, well, I'm going to check your story out and get and back to you on that. he committed suicide by drinking boiling water. That's what I believe. Maybe he drank a lot of it. He drank a lot of it. But you know what? I could be wrong. I've been wrong. I was wrong one time in 1977. And um, so well, I've had a good I, run. I will say that all of his, uh, everything has been speculative. It says he'd ever had an autopsy, so nobody's sure. But right. I'm going to do some let's, research. Let's look on the break. All right, we'll be right back. Stick around. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. I'm telling you, he came to me in a dream, mm-hmm. Edgar. Right, and told you that's what like, happened. Because there's lots of rumors on how he died. Right. But he was like, Carl, wake up. Carl, Carl. I drank boiling Shit. water. Listen, here's how I died. 
I drank boiling water. Okay. Well, I've done some research for the last few minutes, and um, I have seen nothing about drinking boiling water. That doesn't water. mean you didn't die right. from that. There is some mysterious w- Would you be willing to put it? money on it? Sure. That you that's would? how he died, drinking boiling water? No. Yes, I would. I think that um, Some how... say he committed suicide. Um, some say he overdosed. Some say he was drunk. Some say he was just delirious. There's nothing. And um, some say he drank boiling water. Just one says that. Who does? Me? Only one. You. <laughs> well, You're the only one. He, I'm telling you, he came to me in a dream. And he was like, All right. he was like uh, don't listen happened. to anybody else or what All anything right. was written about me. Right. I'm That's telling you, happened. I'm Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, Carl Amari, I drank boiling water. Well, you keep dreaming, okay? So California dreaming. I'm pretty sure that's how he. That's how <laughs> oh, he. he then you're the, probably right. He kicked the water bucket. Yeah, you're probably right, Hang then, on Carl. Hang on, he kicked the water bucket. Anyway, that's that's. I'm yeah. I'm you're I'm sticking to my story. You're usually just sto- a little bit I'm off, and this is my, one of those times. I'm sticking to my story. Okay, that's well, what sure. happened. Yeah, you should I'm gonna stick find, to your story. I'm going to find one crazy guy that agrees with you. No, I'm going to see find, what you can do. It's because uh, you know right. if it's on Wikipedia, no, it's real. right. It's not though. You know it's real. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, good luck with that. I'm pretty sure that's how he. All right. Well, you you seek. You'd be a really good reporter. You yeah. seek the truth. <laughs> I seek the truth, Kimosabi. All right, we're listening to Doctor Grimshaw's Sanitarium. But you you will say this. You have to admit this. I said it pretty convincingly, didn't I? When no, I was like, there's nobody like, that believed that. I was like, Lisa, you know how he died. He died from drinking boiling water. No, you know I why didn't. I said it very convincingly? You didn't. Because I actually believe that's how he died. Okay, so well, was, now maybe you was should natural. question your beliefs. Well, now I'm a little, now that I've looked online, <laughs> a little unclear. I'm not seeing it anywhere. Yeah, no, I'm not either. So I'm kind of thinking maybe. <laughs> you I, made it up. I, I, no, I didn't make it up. I made you just, you know, just wrong. You made I'm it up. I'm just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> just plain wrong yeah i'm pretty sure you're played wrong but uh, <laughs> at least you accept it <laughs> i'm pretty much probably wrong yeah all right back to <laughs> x minus one after about three days my roommates arthur k and crakey got used to me and we even began to play three-handed bridge k was a chronic dope addict an intelligent sensitive man crakey was nothing but a clown he kept a big black cat named the Professor, which he talked to as if it were human. And so I said to her, my dear Countess, if you don't like the company of my cat, then you don't like me. She looked at me as if I were insane. But of course the joke was on her because I was. a eh, Professor? Meow. The Professor is very sociable. Excellent company. Except when he kills birds and deposits them in your bed. He's nothing but a feline murderer, as far as I'm concerned. Ah, see? You have insulted him, Mr. K. Come here, Professor. Let's make friends. How about giving me your paw? Oh! Scratched me, you black devil. You insulted him. You hurt his feelings. Well, just keep him away from me. It will be a pleasure. I would advise you not to insult him again. Good afternoon and evening. Is he always as nuts as that? Ever since I've been here. What's his problem? Manic depressive. And a little paranoid, too. How long have you been here, Arthur? At Grimshaw's? Two years. I left for a while, but I couldn't stay away from the junk, so I committed myself again. Did you uh, happen to know a patient here named Harlan Ward? Why do you ask that? 
Did you know him? I met him socially a few times. I understand he died here. So the newspapers said I wouldn't know. Suicide, wasn't it? Was it? You're being pretty careful, aren't you? Mr. Doherty, what would you say if I were to tell you that I don't believe Holland Ward is dead? What makes you so certain? He used to share this room with us. He slept in the same bed you now use. I see. He was an alcoholic, doing quite well, too. From what I could observe, we all expected him to go home soon. Then one evening, he had a violent fight with Crakey. Crakey accused him of snooping or something. Later that night, Grimshaw and Voyner took him out. Where? Where they take all the special treatment cases to the charity clinic. It's that small building on the other side of the stone wall. A few days later, we read about his death. Suicide, they said. Just what makes you think he's still alive, Arthur? This... About a month ago, I was in the garden next to the wall that separates us from the charity clinic. Suddenly, I thought I heard a sound, like a child whimpering. It stopped. And a moment later, this note came over the wall, wrapped around a stone. What's it say? Help me, for God's sake, Harlan Ward. Arthur, how would you like to have some fun? Like what? Like sneaking out tonight and going over the wall to the charity ward? What do you say? It would break the monotony a little. I suppose there's no real harm in it. Of course not. I'd go alone, but I'll need help scaling the wall. Will you do it? All right. I'll go with you. Up. All clear. Give me a hand and I'll lift you. Be careful when you drop. Ready? Go ahead. There's a charity building over there, the one with the lights in the basement window. Come on. Let's crawl over. Maybe we can see something. Shh, shh. Listen. Can you make out what he's saying? No, I can barely hear. Good Lord. What was that? Probably some patient having the DTs. Let's have a look. Easy, it wouldn't do to get caught now. See anything? Uh, some sort of laboratory. I can see Grimshaw and Voin and something else. Well, there's a child with its back toward me. I'll take it quietly. It will be easier. Please, no! It will all be over soon. You won't remember anything. No, I don't want to go! Why not give it to him? No, no! Shut him up, Voina! Good Lord. What was it? What did they do to that child? Arthur, that wasn't a child. It was a midget. The smallest midget I've ever seen. What were they doing? Trying to give it some sort of injection. When it resisted, Boyna knocked it out. What do you suppose they were doing to it? I don't know, Arthur. All I know is that when it fell, it had the face of Harlan Ward. <laughs> All the way back to our room, my brain was working like some frantic pinball machine. Only the score somehow wouldn't add up. The pieces were there all right. A crazy old doctor, a brutal assistant, a private sanitarium, and a midget with a dead man's face. I thought that when I got back to our room, I'd have some time to think about it. 
I'd forgotten about our friend, the happiness boy, Count Crakey. Caught you. Fine, you've caught us. Now, how about crawling back into the woodwork like a good little count? Where were you? Mink hunting. Arthur and I like to go mink hunting at night. You make fun of Count Crickey? I shall report you to Dr. Voina. You'd better not if you know what's good for you. So, you threaten me. Me, Count Crickey. I shall scream for help. Help! Help! Did you hurt him? Just knocked him out. What do we do now? Put him to bed. Hope that when he wakes up in the morning, he's forgotten the whole thing. And if he hasn't? He's too crazy for them to take seriously anyway. Come on, let's get him back into bed. I went to sleep in my own room. And the next thing I felt was the sharp jab of the hypodermic needle in my left arm. Hold it. It'll be useless to struggle, Mr. Dorothy. In a moment, your motor nerves will be completely paralyzed. What's this about, Grimshaw? I might ask the same of you. My good friend, Count Crakey, informs me you and Mr. K decided to do some snooping earlier tonight. He followed you and saw you climb the wall. Crakey's insane. Mr. Dorothy, that is a matter of opinion. Crakey, what is this? Perhaps my assistant, Dr. Grimshaw, would be good enough to explain. Assistant? Yes. You see, I am the actual head of the Grimshaw Sanatorium. Count Crakey feigns many delusions, Mr. Dorothy. But in this case, he is telling the truth. Count Crakey is actually Professor Ernst Hassler. Professor Hassler and I worked together in the Berlin Neurological Institute before and during the last war. Unfortunately, my political affiliations with the Third Reich were under investigation by the War Crimes Commission. However, Dr. Grimshaw managed to smuggle me into this country where I masqueraded as a mental patient in order that we might continue certain experiments which were interrupted by the American army. I can imagine the sort of experiments you conducted. You and your friend Mr. K will discover their exact nature very shortly, Mr. Dorothy. It is a magnificent opportunity to serve science. I passed out. And the next thing I knew, I was coming to in a different room. And hearing the voices of Voina, Grimshaw, and Crakey. As if from a great distance. The Pituitrin. Pituitrin. Four cc's. Four cc's. How are the measurements? Reducing rapidly. We'll operate at once. Have Werner start the anesthesia. Very well, Doctor. Come in. came to again, I had a blinding headache. I began to wonder if Crakey and Grimshaw weren't doing something to drive me insane, because I lost all sense of perspective. The room seemed to grow in size. I don't know how much time passed, but one day Crakey came into the room with a bundle in his arms about the size of a newborn baby. The bundle was my friend, Arthur Kay. And worse yet, I was exactly the same size that he was. Let me out of here. Let me out. Allow me to congratulate you, gentlemen. How are you feeling? You dirty monster. I'm disappointed, gentlemen. Do you not feel privileged to be a part of an experiment that will place me at the very top rank of the world's endocrinologists? What are you doing to us, you madman? It has long been established, gentlemen, that dwarfism and giantism result from injury to 
or malfunction of the pituitary and thyroid glands. The interlock between these glands was thought to be a hormone. I have discovered that this was incorrect. It was an enzyme. An enzyme I isolated some years ago. I was well on the way to synthesis in Germany when the surrender interrupted me. The interruption also limited the number and type of subjects on whom I could experiment. I was forced to find others. Such as Harlan Ward? Mr. Ward was only a control experiment. I suppose you plan the same for us. No, gentlemen. For you, I have reserved a special privilege. You gentlemen will be the first to test the full effects of the enzyme. In short, I intend that you, Mr. K, and you, Mr. Doherty, when the experiment is completed, will emerge as perfectly healthy, normal individuals. Except, of course, that you will be only five inches tall. The days and nights that followed were a living nightmare. A nightmare from which Arthur and I awoke for brief periods to find ourselves in a strange new world. A huge, frightening world where everything seemed enlarged a hundred times. When we finally emerged, we found ourselves imprisoned in a tiny mouse cage. Judging by the relative size of things, we could not have been more than five inches tall. Now we realize the experiment was at an end. That from now on, it was either escape or be destroyed. How's it coming, Arthur? Another moment. I think I'll have this lock worth loose. And if we escape, then what? We'll worry about that after we get out of this mouse cage. Suppose we don't make it. At least you've written the story on that scrap of paper. Someone may find it and read it. Nobody will believe it. Then why did you bother to write it? I don't know. I suppose I want the world to know what happened to me. That does it. Help me push the door open. Now what? The first job is getting down to the floor. I think we can make it by sliding down the telephone cord. Are you game? Go ahead. I'm right behind you. Easy now. Look out! That does it. Now, if we can figure out a way to get out of the room, well, that should be... Uh-oh. Listen. Somebody's coming. It must be Quakey. We've got to hide. Here. Yeah. Great in the fireplace. He'll kill us if he finds us. Be quiet. Well, my friends, time for feeding. I trust that you are... So, you have managed to break out. It won't do, you know. There is no way you could have gotten out of the room with the door and window locked. I know you are in here. I would advise you to save yourselves trouble and give up. Very well, my tiny friends. If you prefer to play the game of cat and mouse, then I shall be happy to furnish the cat. There is no way you can get out. What now? He's gone for the cat. If that monster ever gets in here, we're goners. There must be... Wait a minute. What? You see that thin strand of wire running along the molding? What about it? It's the automatic fire alarm. When the alarm is tripped by a fire or short circuit, all the locks are sprung so that the patients can escape from their rooms. If I can short that wire before Crakey lets the cat into the building, let's go. There's a tiny sliver of steel from the cage on the floor. I'll work with that. You keep an ear to the door. Go ahead. This insulation is tough as rawhide. Blast this stuff. Hurry up, Arthur, for God's sake. There it is. 
Stand away. I'm going to short it. Ready? Okay. We made it. There goes the door. Let's make a run for it down the hall. If we can get to the garden, we've got a chance. I smell smoke. The short may have actually started the fire. Come on. Wait a minute. I have to go back. The manuscript. Don't be a fool. There's no time. Come on. You go ahead. I'll catch up. Hurry up. I'll wait in the hall. Only a second. I've got it. Come on. There's nothing to stop us now. Arthur? Where are you? Funny. Arthur? Arthur? Arthur, what's happened to you? This is the record found in a fountain pen cover in the burned-out hallway of Dr. Grimshaw's sanitarium. There's nothing to add, except that the fire which destroyed the sanitarium and killed so many of its occupants, including Dr. Grimshaw and Dr. Voina, was definitely of incendiary nature. It is believed by the fire chief that some small creature, possibly a mouse, chewed the insulation off the wire and short-circuited the system. The two patients, John Doherty and Arthur Kay, vanished completely after the fire, and their remains were never found. Whether the manuscript which you have just heard is authentic, or whether it was the work of one of the more demented inmates of the sanitarium, we leave to your judgment. You have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction. Tonight's story by transcription was Dr. Grimshaw's Sanitarium, a tale of science fiction written by Fletcher Pratt and adapted for radio by George Lefferts. Featured in the cast were Bill Lipton as Doherty, Rosemary Prinz as Millicent, Leon Janney as Mac, Arthur Maitland as Mr. Ward, Ted Osborne as Grimshaw, Peter Capel as Crakey, Roger DeCoven as Kay, and Frank Milano as the Cat. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X-1 was directed by Fred Way and is an NBC Radio Network production. And now, next week, Nightmare, The Revolt of the Machines by Stephen Vincent Benet. You'll hear it at X minus one. Convicts tell their true stories on The Loser tonight over most NBC radio stations. All right, that's X minus one. They were always interesting, these stories. They were far out. I mean, that that took some um, special editing. They had... You know, the, the the little person on there, they made his voice or her voice like that. So they they taped it and then they just sped it up. up sure. Um, they were probably like, wow, great job. You right. know, <laughs> it was so innovative, you know, to do that back then. July 14th, 1955, Dr. Grimshaw's Sanitarium, starring Bill Lipton, along with Roger D. Coven, Ted Osborne, and a bunch of other um, stars from New York. This was a New York-based uh, show. Came out of uh, the East Coast. Very good. Hope you enjoyed it. Time now for this month in music history. And this song was released in 1980. Police. Police. 
You're better at the group than the title. This is from the album Zenyatta Mondata. Uh-huh. I didn't have it. I didn't have that either. If so, it would have been in cellophane. Right, sure. Uh, and the phrase, do, 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 da, 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 da oh. which is the title. Do, 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 a da, da, da. The do, 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 the da, da, da was made up by Sting's son, which is what it sounds like. Yeah. Da, da, do, 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 da, 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 do, 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 do. Da, 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 da. And, and then it's a hit. Crazy. See, when you're Sting and your son says, do, 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 da, 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 it, you, you write a song about right, it. Right. Makes perfect sense It becomes a me. hit. Right. And you make a whole right. load of money. I'm sure my kids said, do, 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 do. Nothing happened. I don't know. <laughs> I never made any money off my kids. No. Maybe you should. I'm going to record my dog and maybe I can make a <laughs> yeah. hit. Hey, whatever oh, works, wow, wow. right? <laughs> <laughs> rough, rough, rough. <laughs> All right, more of Hollywood 360 after this break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next week, it's a two-part story on the CBS Radio Workshop. We'll also have... The Jack Benny program, The Man Called X, and Philo Vance Detective. Don't forget, watch my weekly podcast series at thefilmdetective.com. For my co-host, Lisa Wolf, our executive producer, Mike Costella, my crabby brother, Vince Amari, this is Carl Amari saying, stay safe, be healthy, and thanks for listening. Right, Lisa? Right, Carl. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.